Welcome to Pleb Chain Radio, a live show brought to you by Plebs for Plebs, which focuses on the intersection of Nostra and Bitcoin protocols. Join QW and Avi as they run down the weekly news and developments, breaking down the current thing and the future frontier with the foundation of decentralization, the builders, thinkers, doers, and plebs. All right, we are live. Welcome, gentle plebs, to episode number 17 of Pleb Chain Radio, a small show with big guests, as I keep saying, QW, and this time, we have we certainly do have a big guest. Matt O'Dell joins us. But first, QW and I are uh, going to talk about some of the ETF drama that's unfolding. I, I don't know if I'd call it drama, just ETF sideshow that's unfolding. And then Condalorian or Corn from the Nostra Report is going to lead us through the lightning round. And then maybe 10 minutes, roughly 10 minutes uh, before the top of the hour, we bring on our guest, Matt. So QW, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I just want to start with uh, the whole, uh, we, we, the last last couple of weeks, you know, with the App Store and the uh, Domus, and we're all worried. Um, it appeared like the Zapathon was still going strong. Uh, regardless, um, I, I really think we're going to find a way uh, you know, even even Domus users that are on test flight are still rolling with the uh, the old build. Um, so we still have our zaps. Uh, some of the newer, newer newcomers, um, you know, maybe they can still get into test flight. I don't know what the number is, but I, I think it was always uh, pretty much full. But, uh, you know, it, it's you know, there's plenty of other client options, too. So, you know, we, we were kind of wondering how Zapathon is, is going to be affected. And it seems like it's still going strong. The meme, the meme game is uh, uh, I, probably the best on the internet. If you if you look at if you're looking at the uh, a 30 minute mark, uh, I've I've never seen more memes uh, going in in one little uh, batch of time. So it's good to see we're not going to bend the knee to uh, Apple App Store. Uh, we're going to find a way. So whether that's Jack with his Square Phone, uh, or you know built on graphene uh, with side loading apps, or uh, you know progressive web apps, uh, we'll see what happens. But you know we have options. We're gonna we're gonna use those options, and preferably, you know, it shouldn't be an Apple versus Google thing. I think it needs to be something that, uh, you know, we can we can be happy with the company we're with if if we have to be with them. Um, I mean, yeah. any thoughts on that? Well, w- just one thought, QW, on the test flight stuff. I would be remiss if I didn't point out that folks who are on build four of Damas 1.5 on test flight now to, as of today have 69 days left before yes. it expires 69 all right so um the prime trust deal uh I, I guess i'll start there because um you know i'm actually a fold I, I i use fold as my card so i've kind of been like watching this uh over the last year in regards to you know texas or some of these states that uh prime trust lost their uh license in or maybe they didn't renew so it's always been kind of a gray kind of a weird deal to me um i i was looking into it because you know i i'm clearly i got some skin in the game not that i keep any uh at the minute rewards come up I'm, I'm sending them off to my cold storage uh but it's just a weird deal and you know to say we're just going to move to fortress oh we're just going to move to fortress you know uh rewards and everything will just go to fortress well who the hell's fortress is what my question was. So I started looking at the timeline uh, of this, 
And in January of 2021, so that was what over two years ago, Prime Trust reverted uh, using specific legacy wallet forwarding addresses. And they, the move driven by limitations was creating uh, new wallets with the Fireblocks platform. So at that point, Prime Trust reportedly believed legacy wallets were either in the Fireblock platform or would forward would would forward to f- wallets accessible uh, now. So, however. Uh, December 2021, Prime Trust discovered its grave error. They were unable to access the legacy wallets in the cryptocurrency store within. So in January 2021, they 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 did the move. Then by December 21, they found out, oh, well, maybe, maybe we can't get access to these wallets. So I looked a little deeper because I was, you know, interested in this timeline because it seems just fuzzy. I mean, it seems really, really... Uh, just it looks like fraud to me, but uh, the founder and CEO of Prime Trust, uh, Scott, he exited in early 2021. So, and it was kind of a weird exit. He, I guess, he did like a company email. It was just kind of a quiet deal. So, you look at a January 21 when they did the wallet uh, transition. Then you look at when he exited. It was early 2021. Then in August of uh, 21, I, I checked out the. Uh, so I had to go and look at the Secretary of State uh, Nevada. I, I just did a little search on there uh, to see when Fortress was created. That was in August of 21. So, uh, and that was, <laughs> I mapped it out. So I'm, I'm a freak like that. I, I mapped it out and it was a nine minute drive from Prime Trust. So this is apparently a different company, but nine minutes away from them. Uh, then it, it, with the uh, reports that came this, this week or, or uh, you know, when, when they were trying to take over, uh, when BitGo was going to buy Prime Trust, they looked into it and apparently Bank, which was a subsidiary of Prime Trust, uh, alleges that Fortress made an unauthorized transfer by the former officers of the computers, trade secrets, proprietary informa- information and technology and business records. Uh, get this, even the Raiders seats licenses. So the Raiders seats for the Allegiant Stadium, those were transferred over to, to uh, Fortress. So it's like... Like, what the hell's going on here? Um, you know, and why did it take two years? I mean, do you, what the hell what happened in two years? Um, the, and, and what the little cherry on top was uh, the Prime Trust founder and former CEO, Scott Purcell, uh, made a statement. He said, it's incredibly sad, sad to see. Uh, so this, <laughs> them going into receivership, it's incredibly sad to see. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that's all, you know, typical when you have someone else trusting someone else, the custodianship, but uh, self-custody is the way, of course. But what matters now is what's up with Swan, what's up with Fold, and these other services that are currently migrating to Fortress. Um, you know, what? What are we just supposed to say it's a different company and it's all good? Yeah, so first of all, QW, some top-notch sleuthing right there on Fortress. <laughs> You I couldn't help myself on that because it just it just smelled. <laughs> well, I, I, if you take a step back, Prime Trust is, uh, I mean, they are a custodian, but they also allow a lot of these uh, com- companies back in the day, or meaning last year, companies like Strike and Ibex and a couple of others who provide these uh, fiat uh, on-ramps or rather fi- uh, fiat exchange for Bitcoin, you're right. It was Prime Trust that was sitting at the back end, buying Bitcoin and selling fiat, and vice versa, right? For these, so I, Prime Trust is a company that's been concerning me for quite a while now. 
Right. So it's not surprising at this point to see uh, these shenanigans unfold. And of course, this fortress angle um, is is very troubling. I think you had a good meme that you posted on Twitter and on Nostra, QW, which the one from the office where corporate wants you to tell the difference between these two photos. It's one is Prime Trust and the other is Fortress. And they're and the, the same photo. <laughs> they're the same photo. So that's great. So one silver lining that might come out of this, I know there are some bunch of these folks are migrating to Fortress, but Strike uh, announced that they're taking their custody in-house. And I'm yeah. thinking that maybe that route, yes, it comes with added compliance and regulatory oversight and what have you. Uh, for the entity involved but maybe that's a more decentralized route than having these one or two trusted intermediaries which right. invariably turn out to be uh security holes right so if you have uh the strikes and hopefully one day the swans the folds and and the others in, in, in these bitcoin only companies that take custody in-house at least that's a little more decentralized so i hope yeah. that happens well, if you remember when Texas saw uh, the the whole uh, prime trust license went went was was you know Swan was sending out uh, their their you know you can't buy and sell in Texas anymore. Well, Strike could, so Strike had their own license. So so since this whole thing's been going on, it seems like Strike's been trying to get their own uh, their own licenses versus trying to lean on uh, you know let's say a prime trust. So they've been thinking ahead in this, and it looks like you know Swan they're just going to follow wherever scott went i guess i don't i don't know it's 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 just fishy man um but it's it's good to see that uh it's another learning lesson for plebs you know uh we we have a chance to you know just 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 learn uh all these all this trauma turns into uh you know where i become a sleuth everyone becomes uh you know suspect so they just uh you know you, you got to verify things but at the end of the day self-custody but i don't think uh us plebs need to know that no and and one other thing, and this this should be obvious to most people, right? But just, Bitcoin is simple. Do not print more paper than there's Bitcoin available, because invariably you will get wrecked if that happens. And uh, speaking of paper Bitcoin, uh, we we had some rumblings in the ETF world, QW, and that's another thing you've been sleuthing around quite a bit. What are your thoughts on uh the knife that dropped this morning with the SEC and then the, the mad scramble that uh, some of these uh, ETF companies went through. Yeah, I think all these little knives that are dropping are just leverage junkies getting liquidated here and there. Um, it's just, I, it, it's almost to the point now where, you know, I, I keep keep a little dry powder and, uh, and buy on those, um, you know, sub 30, I'm buying whatever. Uh, that's on top of what I normally DCA and stack. But uh it, it really creates uh, all the drama creates great, uh, uh, you know, buying opportunities. I mean, under 30, in my opinion, is now what, what was 26 last week or the week before. It doesn't really matter. Um, at the end of the day, we're just buying. Um, but at the so basically what the uh, SEC did was they 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 said that the um, uh, what the ETFs didn't have enough sharing. They weren't sharing enough information or the way they were set up. They weren't going to get approved. Uh, and I don't think any of them are at this point. I think they're going to keep kicking the can. Uh, but, you know, like Fidelity were the latest ones to uh, come around. Well, now they want a uh, surveillance sharing agreement. So they, they're they going to be doing that with Coinbase. So, I mean, just, just like we were talking about before, surveillance sharing agreement. I mean, that sounds amazing. Let me just sign me up, please. 
Uh, so that's that's what they're going for. And it, and and what's up with Coinbase? It's like BlackRock, Fidelity. They're all jumping on the Coinbase bandwagon. Uh, Coinbase is also getting sued by the SEC. So like what what kind of mixed signals are we getting all over the place? Um, I think uh, in in the grand scheme, uh, plebs don't care anymore. Uh, we're just we're just immune to any kind of fud, any kind of news. Uh, we just stack. That's it. Uh, what what are your thoughts? Well, for starters, uh, I will not be shedding any tears if all of these <laughs> ETF applications disappear. Yeah. Uh, I, I read uh, Alan Farrington's um, article. I think it's called "Just Trust Me, Bro," where he was talking about. Uh, the potential ramifications of having a BlackRock uh, ETF. And it, things could get ugly, right? I mean, at the end of the day, TikTok, ne- next block, Honey honey Badger, the gaff. <laughs> this is a family show. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's, but it could get ugly in the interim. Um, so I'm, I personally wouldn't be upset if uh, all of these ETF folks just disappeared. Yeah, I don't think Satoshi had in his uh, white paper about ETFs. So, um, you know, more peer to peer to better is is always better. Uh, that's that's I'm 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 with you. Um, yeah, I, I'll just one last point on the ETF that Arc how they updated their uh, their um, uh, application to mimic BlackRock, and then following following day, uh, the SEC comes out and says it's not enough information. It's, it's just kind of like a chess game going on. Uh, and I don't know if it's a chess game to, to 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 try to get BlackRock to be the first one or what, but it's uh it's just weird. They all piled on right after BlackRock, and then finally the SEC starts giving guidance. It's just like, come on. So, all right, moving on. What's up, Corn? What do you got for lightning round? Did we just steal your entire lightning round? Did we steal your thunder? No, no, no. You missed a chance right there. <laughs> It's a week in Noster. <laughs> there's there's a thousand things to talk about. <laughs> never, I won't say there's never a slow day on Noster because Sundays are pretty, pretty slow. But no, there's always something interesting going on. Um, let's talk about Domus a little bit more. So, yeah, um, if you remember last week, last couple weeks, um, Will was preparing his update for the app store after receiving the notice from Apple. And so initially he submitted it um, with the zap button still on the notes. And instead of zapping the note, it was a shortcut to zap the profile. But we found out that that was not enough and Apple rejected that submission. And so that is what led to um, completely removing um, as he referred to it, zap initiation from the notes and so now you have to go to the profile to use the zap button however he added back in the zap um, statistics and and information on the notes so um, zaps that are received from other clients um, still appear on your notes in Domus. and so um, it's been interesting watching users find ways to work around um, apple's restrictions um, Sam Samsky's builds a lot of cool stuff, and so he made the not not a zap dot lol. Um, so uh, we've been playing around with I, using iOS shortcuts, uh, which is kind of ironic because it's an Apple tool. But using iOS shortcuts as a way to bridge between Domus and tools like not a zap, or loading Snort, 
or some of these other clients and then zapping from those. Um, progressive web apps are being talked about a lot. Uh, I believe I saw Plebster uh, said they're working on a, a progressive web app for their client. Um, Mutiny Wallet, not a Noster client, but certainly they're very involved in Noster and um, utilizing Noster Wallet Connect. Their app runs as a progressive web app. Um, we've got Young Enter forked the Domus client to, I don't know if you pronounce it Sidus or Sidious, but um, it's a fork of Domus, which can be sideloaded through the alt store, which is a little bit, I haven't tried it yet, but it's a little bit more of a um, uh, expert level, I guess, um, process to load it. But it looks like, looks like it works. And I know several people have done, have you guys looked into that one? I haven't, but I was in Nostra in uh, December, so I feel like I was at expert level at this point. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it seemed like it required ex expert level back then uh, when we were posting invoices. <laughs> yeah, when we didn't know how to update our profile picture. So, yeah, Alt Store, I guess it, you have to have a computer and put your phone into developer mode. So it takes a couple extra steps, but you know, a lot of people on Nostra already are uh, pretty tech savvy. So I think that that is... Um, something I'll, I'll probably look into that too myself. I just haven't had the time. Um, yeah, other it looked users... like there was a couple uh, workarounds that were getting posted via video, um, kind of step by step, and I I just uh, I haven't had the time to dink around. Yeah, somebody somebody posted a video, I think, but I'll get to that one. Um, other users switching to Android um, or Graphene. Um, entirely, some users choosing to run two devices, you know, keep iOS for for kind of their daily driver, and then and then Android or Graphene for um, for Nostra stuff. Um, you know, I think the the bigger concern I you know I and and I've seen other people talk about is is just with the App Store in general, um, especially on iOS. You know, it is such a centralized um, system. Apple has so much control over it. Um, and then demanding things like 30% with um, in-app payments and and stuff. You know, it's, you know, for me, the question is, is it is this really an attack on Noster, Bitcoin, and Lightning? You know, or is this you know, over-eager app reviewers, you know, trying to to just do their job? You know, I, I don't know. Um, but it's, it's certainly suspicious uh, the way it's kind of all played out the last couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, moving on here. Uh, Primal every week. Uh, Primal puts out some um, statistics about Noster. Pretty interesting. Now, today they they posted their, their Noster recap. Um, and so there were 60,767 Zap events this week. Um, I need to go back and compare that to previous weeks. But... Um, Certainly doesn't seem like we're slowing down, which is a good thing. 559,000 notes created, 1.3 million total Noster events this week, according to Primal. So still some activity. You know, I think I've seen my feed slow down at times, but still pretty active too. Um, moving on here. Uh, so I think one of the things I'm most excited about, we talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, I see Pablo down in the audience, um, but Insect Bunker. So Insect Bunker version 1.0 released yesterday. And 
I was playing around with it today because the Noster, N-O-S-T-U-R, Noster app, which is also an iOS client, um, they've just incorporated into their test flight support for insect bunker. So I think it's the first mobile app to have support for insect bunker. Um, we've, you've also got support in highlighter and um, a fork of Coracle that Pablo set up, but Noster just runs right on your phone. And so you basically what you do is you, you create your bunker um, and then you add your pri- whatever private key you want to manage. And then within that private key settings in your bunker, you create access tokens. And so those tokens can have, you know, you can give it permission to do anything, anything the private key can do, or you can give it permission to do one thing. <laughs> you know, maybe you only want that token to allow somebody to do reactions on posts, or maybe you want them to be able to, you know, post just regular posts in the feed. Um, and so you can fine tune the access and then it creates basically like an inpub and you give that inpub to whoever you want to have that access and they can sign in and they can interact as your account or as that account. And then you can revoke it at any time you want to. And you can either set that up automatically. So it revokes after a certain number of hours or it can, uh, you can go in and manually revoke that. And so, you know, just the implications for, um, individuals to, you know, say we're talking about progressive web apps. You don't want to paste your key all over the place. So now you can, um, when the support is added to these progressive web apps, you could create a token that you sign into your progressive web app, use your account. And if it ever gets compromised, just, you know, deactivate that token, um, you know, for teams, especially thinking about like Nostra report. Um, I know Marseille was talking about using it with Nostrasia you know, and there's other teams on, on Noster obviously doing stuff where you want to have shared access of account, but you know, you don't want to, you don't want to send your private key through messengers and um, pasting it all over the place. So just, just huge, huge, huge. Um, this is going to be a huge benefit for, for Noster. Um, I've got plenty more, but I know we're already up on, on time here. So you guys tell me. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for breaking that down in layman's terms. Cause insect bunker, I mean, when I first learned about it, I, I was reading about it. I mean, it, I kind of got the gist of it, but uh, you know, you, you've kind of been my educator on it and uh, it, it's great. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's actually well, really exciting once you kind of wrap your head around it. It's huge. And, and it, it had been a week or so a week or two before I had played with it um, since I had played with it last. And Man, Pablo, the updates that have been implemented are just incredible, um, both in the user interface and the amount of settings and, and fine-tuning that you can do creating these tokens. It's it's awesome. You think Pablo made it so uh, he can have his uh, his team uh, post for him? <laughs> <laughs> we'll let him answer that sometime, I guess. Yeah, I see the the cry emojis down, down there. He's, I think we got him. <laughs> thank you corn uh for that lightning round we can always go uh, there's so much happening in nostra lightning round we can easily extend to 30 minutes yeah there's plenty um, more i, I don't want to take i don't want to take more time than i'm supposed to though appreciate it corn um folks we're happy to welcome matt odell to plebchain radio matt welcome Yo, 
What's up? Yeah, audio check. Here we go. We're going live with the audio check. You sound great, man. I was about to ask, can you hear me? But I figured I'd go with the <laughs> yo. What's up? Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah thanks for joining us. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, number one, uh, thanks for supporting Nostra the way you have, um, especially on Twitter. Um, you know, you're you're one of the, uh, you know, you're a voice with, with, uh, uh, you know, a voice that matters in the, in the Twitter, Bitcoin Twitter, uh, and the fact that you're always pushing against uh, uh, the blue checks and, and in favor of Noster is, it, it just speaks volumes uh, on your character. Resist the check. I, I will say it was, um, it was a, it's a little bit weird posting about Noster on Twitter. Um and I kind of battled with it a little bit. I think Dorsey did too. That's why Dorsey was just doing Nostra only. But I think in this portion of the adoption phase, it kind of, it, it, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely a benefit about talking about it if you have a large platform on Twitter. So I'm going to continue and I might as well troll the blue checks until I get fully banned. That's just why fun. do you say it's a challenge, Matt? Because I tend to agree with the reply guys that it's just kind of weak to complain about Twitter on Twitter. Um, and I believe in actionable change. So I, I think Noster is the way. I think Freedom Tech will win. But yeah, I mean, but it, it's, it's worth it just because I, I do, for whatever reason, I have a massive platform on Twitter still. Um, so I should take advantage of it and just I'm just going to keep talking about Noster and, and the concerns I have over current Twitter direction because the trend is is quite dark and dystopian. Yeah, it definitely is. And have you found a difference in the number of impressions uh, you have on your uh, on your tweets? Is, has it gone down recently? I mean, that's also a frustrating one because I think it's kind of weak to complain about lack of engagement. Um, so it's another one that I've been battling about um, internally. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's very clear. I, I mean, I, before Elon took over, I was already shadow banned. I think it was mostly because of matrix links that I was posting all the time. Um, and it's actually really useful because, because me and Marty share a rabbit hole recap together. Um, we have a pretty decent overlap of audience. So I would always compare, I, I would compare his, his reach to my reach was relatively apples to apples comparison. Um, so even before Elon took over, I noticed I was getting hit pretty hard and sometimes I wouldn't come up and search. Sometimes uh, people couldn't see my tweets. There was a whole, there was a whole phase there for like a month and a half where people just couldn't see my tweets. They could see the replies under my tweets, but they couldn't see my tweets. Anyway, then Elon comes in and this comparison got even more useful because Marty decided to uh, bend the knee to the check and succumb to the check. Um, and at the same time, Elon opened up the view counts. So you can see the view counts. Uh, anyone can see view counts of any tweet. And so now you can actually go and you can verify. I mean, you can see a tweet from someone who doesn't have a check um, and has significantly more retweets and likes, but has significantly less views than an equivalent tweet from a blue check. And has that 
that sort of blue check tension, uh, how is that sitting at uh, rabbit hole recap? Is there, is there, is the D word come up, Matt? Which, which D word? Divorce. <laughs> A little Divorce. trouble in paradise. I mean, 259 shows um, together, you know, I, I've noticed there's a little strife. A little marital strife, maybe. No, no, no. Mar Mar Marty's a brother. Marty's a brother. Um, I, uh, I'm more disappointed. I'm more disappointed than anything. There's a lot of people I respect that have uh, bent the knee to the check, and they'll they'll make up as many cope reasons as they want to make uh, for that. It's actually really. It's. I think it's kind of interesting because I think we're going to see a lot of the similar excuses being made for people who use CBDCs. Um, there's always a reason. There's always an excuse. Um, on the positive side, it's made it very easy to talk about the concerns I have over it on rabbit hole recap, because he's, he's, he is a check. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think, look, uh, previous, when we had the previous Twitter leadership, uh, obviously things weren't great either. Um, but a lot of people complained about the rampant shadow banning and now the current Twitter leadership has essentially said that anyone who doesn't verify their identity with them is effectively shadow banned. And most of the people that were complaining about the previous shadow band have just gone along with this policy and have complied with it and have verified their identity, which is incredibly troubling to see. It's, uh, it's disappointing, it's troubling, and there's a lot of people I respect that have, have gone and, and, and complied with it, which is just really unfortunate. Yeah, for sure, Matt. So why don't we start um, uh, maybe with with some kind of uh, backstory. Uh, you'd mentioned, I've, I've heard you mention uh, that you were in Brooklyn for a while, maybe four years ago. What was that journey like from Brooklyn to Nashville now? What were you doing in Brooklyn and what made you leave? Um. New York was great. It was a good point in my life. Uh, New York is uh, will always hold a special place uh, in my heart. Uh, it's a in New in in America. There's no city that's quite like it. It's significantly larger than any other city. Um, you have access to everything. The city truly never sleeps. Um, and that's where I met Marty. So me and Marty actually lived in Brooklyn a few blocks away from each other. So when we first started Rabbit Hole Recap, um, we could, I could just walk over. We'd say live from the studio, but it was really live from his studio apartment. And sometimes his wife was trying to take a nap in bed and we were literally like five feet away from her. So it was like live from his bedroom. That's um, not weird at all, man. But yeah, it, not weird at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, he's like a brother. Uh, but um, yeah, I... We had a very strong uh, Bitcoin community in New York, which was awesome. Like New York Bit Devs was, was was fucking badass. I my understanding is it's still uh, pretty great, even even though a lot of New York Bitcoiners have left for either Texas or Tennessee. Um, but yeah, I mean it, that time was slowly coming to an end anyway, and then the COVID restrictions pretty much just hastened my departure because they closed all the good parts of New York, all of our bars, all of our restaurants, everything was closed. Um, so there was, there, there was nothing really holding me back. And I, I am kind of grateful for that because it just ripped off the bandaid. 
just fucking made the move. But I was already kind of eyeing a move anyway. Um, outside of the city. But probably not as drastic as Tennessee. Tennessee was just a just a big move. We packed up the truck and just drove down there. We knew a couple people down here. And, and Bitcoin momentum seemed to be building. The, the national Bitcoin meetup is only um, 20 months old or something like that. 21 months old. Uh, I went to the second one. It was like, the first one was like 30 people. The second one was like 75. The, th the third one was like 150. That was when I moved. And then we've just been, the vibes have just been high and the community has just been growing stronger and stronger. And it's just been really great to see. Um, Matt, the Bitcoin, uh, sorry, the New York story and the COVID restrictions is something that resonates quite a bit with me. I lived in Manhattan for 20 years and then summer of COVID happened. I didn't make as drastic a move as you, but I, my family and I got into a car and we drove as far north as we could. And we moved three hours upstate. We're still in New York state, which isn't great. I wish we'd done what you did and moved to Nashville instead. That said, sorry, go ahead, Matt, were you saying something? Well, I was just going to say, um, you know, pre-COVID, me and my lady's plan was uh, to move to New Hampshire. And then we, uh, when we first left New York, we did like nomadic. So we were just driving around, staying at different Airbnbs and stuff. If people remember RHR from that period, it was like every RHR I was like in a different house. Um, and then we got sick of the nomad thing and we almost settled in New Hampshire. But at that point, our whole plan had been completely blown up because everyone decided that they wanted to live somewhere in the rural Northeast. Um, and I was, and I remember we were like looking at a property in New Hampshire and my wife was like, I was thinking about borrowing against my, my Bitcoin for the first time ever. I've never borrowed against Bitcoin. Um, and that was the top. It was like 65,000 or something like that. And she's like, is this humble? And I'm like, no, this is not humble at all. And then we moved to Nashville and rented instead. That's hilarious, man. Is this humble? <laughs> she oh, saved man. our ass. She saved our <laughs> ass. That would have been a very painful bear market. So uh, moving moving on. So you you say that uh, uh, you, you said 20. How old is the, uh, uh, the, the Nashville uh, Bitcoin meetup? Uh, about 20 months in Bitcoin Park is about a year. Yeah. And you guys started, do you guys start out in like uh, a brewery or something like that? Yeah. In general, I think if you're going to start a meetup, you should try and find a bar or a brewery or something like that. Uh, maybe some kind of large restaurant um, and just like carve out some space there because it's a mutually beneficial relationship. They, you know, on a, on a Wednesday night, they're going to have no business and they would love if they had a bunch of people with disposable income come in and talk Bitcoin. Yeah. And, and you're looking, uh, I mean, you, you pretty much, I mean, with the ambiance, the sound, everything, you, I mean, is that a meetup where you're going to be kind of giving, uh, giving presentations or is it more just like meet and greet and uh, kind of hang out? So, I mean, I had come from New York, um, so I, I was very spoiled. We had the original BitDevs um, and Jay, who runs BitDevs in New York, just runs a really tight operation. Um, so we actually took a while before we launched our own BitDevs 
before that, it was a social meetup. And we basically came up with this idea and we still have the social media. Now we have a social meetup and bit devs. We basically came up with this idea that we do one or two panels um, that are topical with 30 minutes, a 30 minute panel with 15 minute Q and a, and then afterwards it's just cold beer and good food and talk Bitcoin, which I, I think most people at the end of the day uh, just want to drink a cold beer and have some food and, and talk about Bitcoin and just have a good time rather than have too much structure. Um, so that's, that's our main meetup. And we do that once a month on Wednesdays and a cool idea that Rod came up with um, was that each month is a different topic. And then the idea is, I mean, now we're well into our second year, but the idea is that every year that month is the same topic. So January is mining. January will always be mining. And because of where Nashville is located, it's actually pretty cool. A lot of people in the Midwest will just get in a car and drive six hours, seven hours um, or fly in. So if they know their monthly topic and they like it, um, they'll know that like in February, I'm going to fly in or drive in for, for free and open source software month. Um, and they can plan around that and and make it down. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's a good strategy, especially if you know you, if you know your growth patterns and uh, you know uh, you know you can see next year and say, hey, we're going to be you know we're going to be bigger and better next year. Um, especially when you know we got plebs all over, you know, rural Tennessee all the way to the city. Um, you know, I can see that working. Um, yeah. Uh, anything on uh, Bitcoin Park, Avi? Yeah, I was curious to know, Matt, the the origin story of Bitcoin Park. I mean, now it is sort of a landmark that most Bitcoiners take for granted today, but it's less than three years old at this point, right? Maybe even two. So what was that origin story like? Yeah, I mean, the park is only... Uh... 13 months old. So it was one year. June 1st was one year. Um, so we're officially in our second year now. I, uh, we were, we were growing at the, at the brewery and it was doing really well. Um, and anyone who runs a meetup knows one of the hardest parts about running a meetup, well, two hardest parts about running a meetup is consistency, actually doing it every month because you need the momentum. And then the second hardest part is securing a venue. And we started to outgrow the brewery space. Um, they were getting a little bit, when we were like hitting our higher capacity amounts, they were getting a little bit uh, uneasy because like, I don't even remember, but like different COVID variants were coming out at different times. And like, obviously like Bitcoiners aren't the type that necessarily take any kind of precautions whatsoever. Um, and it was just getting a little bit tight and we, we needed to find a new venue. Um, and at the same time, uh, Florida Georgia line, which is this pop country band, uh, they broke up and this, this campus became available, which is, it's two buildings. It's two blocks away from both Belmont and Vanderbilt university. Um, and one, one side is a fully built out co-working space and the other side has an event space and has a bunch of music studios. That of course we looked at and we're like, oh, there's a bunch of podcast studios already set up here. And we kind of just said fuck it and just went for it. Um and we we you know, we just we we you know it was kind of a flyer and we just winged it. We were like momentum's building here. Um it's always been a 
it's it's been very important to me this idea of strong local communities i mean we talked about earlier actionable change actual change that you can make improvements in your life uh, rather than complaining about things and i i i do think you know as the traditional institutions start to break apart like we're going to be in in painful situations and and there's going to be a darkness period and the question is can we limit the darkness period not can we completely avoid that darkness period but can we reduce it so we get out on the other side and 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 actually live in a much better world and i think a key aspect of that is first of all is that bitcoin is a tech project nostr is a tech project but uh, at the end of the day it's a movement of individuals and you have to figure out ways to support the individuals that are pushing this movement forward. Um, and if you look at all the different things I do in the space, it's mostly focused on supporting individuals, whether that's open sats um, for open source developers, or whether that's 1031 for startups in the space, or whether that's um, the podcast and my work with HRF in terms of actually educating individuals and empowering them. And, you know, Bitcoin Park falls, falls right in that thesis, which is this idea of Let's build a strong local community here in Nashville, but also let's foster strong local communities everywhere else. And it's not a coincidence that our first major uh, non-meetup event was Grassroots Bitcoin in September, which was this idea that I that I came up with, which was like, let's bring all of these meetup organizers from around the world and to an invite-only event that did not cost any money, but you could only join if you had an event, uh, if you were running a meetup. Uh, back home. Um, and as a result, actually, a bunch of new meetups spawned since then because people want to come to Grassroots Bitcoin this year and they can only come if they start a meetup back home. And everyone came in and we collaborated and we chilled. We had good beer. Uh, we had good food. And we talked about, you know, building up our local communities and making them stronger. And, and it's truly distributed in that fashion. Like people say like, oh, you're going to open Bitcoin parks all over the place. Like, no, that's not the point. The point is I want Bitcoin Park to inspire people around the world to to launch their own community spaces and support their own local communities. And let's hope that happens, Matt. Um, I, I mean, a, a couple of times I have been to Bitcoin, Bitcoin Park. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, you mentioned a couple of um, projects you're involved in, uh, which is a good segue into my next question, you, 1031 and OpenSats two, at least on the face of it, very different um, ventures, right? 1031 is, a, if I understand correctly, uh, a more standard venture capital type uh, effort. And then OpenSats, which is a foundation that uh, has, has grants that support uh, various Bitcoin projects. Uh, what are the most interesting projects that you're looking at either at 1031 or at OpenSats. Yeah, I mean, just to uh, make that clear, yeah, 1031 is just a classic venture fund, um, but we invest in Bitcoin only uh, startups. So no shitcoin, no shitcoin companies. Um, and, and we've had a lot of success there. And, and I think, I think what people don't realize is like that is not, necessarily that is not a pleb focused um initiative i'm not trying to encourage plebs to invest in our fund over stacking sats i think for most people they're better off just buying and holding bitcoin and accumulating bitcoin long term but we've had a lot of success 
uh, working with very large family offices, rich families, institutions, um, university endowments. And we essentially take that money um, and we use it to support uh, Bitcoin companies. And as a result, um, it's yet to be seen if we can actually outperform the performance of Bitcoin. Uh, but even if we don't, um, they we're outperforming traditional venture funds and we're outperforming the shitcoin venture funds and all of these institutions and family offices, they all already have a venture allocation in their portfolio. Like they have a portion of money that they dedicate to investing in, in startups. And uh, we use that and, and we deploy that into Bitcoin companies. And then open sats is just, um, is a 501 C three nonprofit. Uh, where if you donate to it and you're American, you get a tax deduction. We accept Bitcoin so you can donate anonymously or you can, you know, dox your identity to get the tax deduction. Or you can donate via credit card if you want. And we auto stack with that. One key aspect of that 501c3 is that we're 100 percent pass through. We take no cut of that whatsoever, uh, which is very, very rare in the nonprofit space. Um I think HRF takes 5% and that's on the low end. A lot of nonprofits take even more than that. Uh, they'll take 10, 15, 20%. Um, so it was really important to us that we took zero cut. And I would say that um, I'm really grateful for all the board members who joined me on this, on this journey, basically uh, like me and Ben launched this thing. And I asked all these board members to join all these ride or die Bitcoiners to join and get no pay whatsoever. And then fortunately recently, um, uh, Dorsey, uh, supported us and gave us a $10 million donation with 5 million dedicated to Nostra projects and 5 million dedicated to Bitcoin projects. Um, and we were able to bring, uh, Gigi on full time and actually pay him a salary. So now Gigi's running the ship and it's super efficient because we actually have someone working full time. Um, and we have some really big news coming out on the open set side. I don't want to be the guy that pre-announces an announcement, but uh, Gigi would fucking oh, come kill on, me Max. if I said anything more than that. <laughs> Gigi, I, Gigi, Gigi is truly a brother, and he would fucking kill me if I said anything <laughs> more than that. Um, but work is being done. Really good work is being done on that front. On the 1031 side, I mean, look, I, I think our portfolio is one of the best portfolios in, in all venture, um, let alone Bitcoin. Uh, we've deployed over $100 million into Bitcoin startups. The flashiest one was obviously Strike. Um, that was a really big deal for us uh, because it was the type of deal that you would see a Sequoia or an A16Z or one of these big traditional venture funds come in and lead. And instead, we let it. Um, but I really enjoy working with the smaller Bitcoin companies, companies like Peach, um, where Steph is leading Peach and it's no KYC, P2P. Um, and we... I actually, that one's not public. One of the ones I'm most excited about is not public, but should be public really soon. The Nostra people will be very excited about it. Um, so I just pre-announced the second announcement. So that I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. Well, um, since you've we done have, it, we, Matt, why don't you do the first one as well? Make some news here. <laughs> I mean, we have we, a large um, following, man. It's it's going viral. <laughs> well, that that second. That second announcement is going to happen at Bitcoin Park at the Lightning Summit. Everyone should join us for that. But um, that's actually what I, we're going uh, I, it, it wasn't it wasn't an intentional announcement of an announcement. I did not mean to do that. I'm pretty exhausted at the end of a week and I'm just having fun with you guys. 
Um, what other, uh, I don't like picking favorites. It's like, uh, it's picking your favorite child or whatever, uh, upstream data. We were very excited to be a part of that deal, both upstream data and uh, CoinKite are their founders hate VCs. So I think like in the week leading up to us, uh, closing the deal with Steve Barber of upstream data, he had like five different tweets about how VCs are the scum of the earth. Uh, and I think that's what really sets 1031 apart is that we're just Bitcoiners. We're Bitcoiners. Yes, we're operating on a traditional venture model, but we're just Bitcoiners supporting Bitcoiners. And you don't want you don't want these Bitcoiners for the longest time if they were starting these companies, they had two choices. They had to either organically bootstrap and have, you know, be at a disadvantage to their competition that was taking in all this all this dollars to just supercharge their growth. Or they had to take on shitcoin VCs who corrupted them later on because they were shareholders. Um, and we provide Bitcoiners the option to to skip that and 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 both get the money, but also know that they have Bitcoiners that are aligned with them that are that are shareholders of their company. QW, you had um, a question for Matt on the Lightning Summit. Yeah, no, um, I mean it was uh, you. You mentioned it, uh, but uh, I, I know there's a big June ahead. Uh, uh, well, no, I'd be July, right? Uh, we're in June. Uh, it's, so, is it July? Is the Lightning Summit? So, tell us about that. I, I you, you did post the. Uh, I think it was uh, just kind of a schedule for the whole month. Um, it looked pretty nuts. Yeah, so July is Lightning Month. So, as I said earlier, as long as we can survive um every july uh for the rest of eternity will be lightning month um and i say survive i don't say that lightly because we are building this thing in a bear market and it is expensive and i would say if you're going to build a physical space um you should budget out at least 30 or 40 percent higher than you expect um because if you do hit a shortfall you and the other founders are literally just spending Bitcoin in a bear market, trying to keep the thing afloat. Um, but we're close to getting past the death point. I think we've probably passed that point already. Um, but it was a pretty scary few months there, maybe five months ago, four months ago. Um, but yeah, July is our lightning month. Um, and what we try and do is we know a lot of people come from out of state or from around the world. So we try and give people a at least a week full of content so they can come in and, and spend time in Nashville for a week. Nashville is not a very expensive city. The airport's quite convenient. Uh, it's centrally located for driving. So people come in for a week. Um, and so this week we have uh, July. Let me double check the actual dates. Uh, July, starting July 10th. So July 10th, through 12th. So that Monday through the 12th, it nifty nay, uh, Lisa is running her base 58 course, which is ticketed, but well worth it. If you want to become a developer, uh, in the space, um, on the 11th, we have our monthly bit devs, um, which is run, uh, by Steve Myers, uh, Matthew Ramsden, who just recently got a spiral grant for working on BDK. Steve Myers also leads the BDK project and P who is uh, now I think head of programming at Swan, but previously he was he put together the whole Bitcoin 2022 conference agenda. So they run our monthly bit devs. That's a typical bit devs format for anyone who's not aware. That's a basically a monthly meetup 
talking about all the new things that happened in the developer world. That's not recorded. That's completely off the record. Then that evening, well, that is in the evening. Right after that, that's going to end at 7.30. Right after that, uh, Peter McCormick and Danny from What Bitcoin Did are going to be doing a live show um, with a live audience. Then on the 12th is our open house, which is that social meetup that we do monthly. Um, and that will be, uh, topic will be lightning. And we're going to put a banger panel together for that. And we're going to have cold beer and good food. And the food is always from a local vendor. And they always accept Bitcoin, even though most Bitcoiners don't spend Bitcoin. I will shame them into spending Bitcoin every month. <laughs> and then the 13th and the 14th is our actual lightning summit, which is a ticketed event um, that we charge $500 for. Everyone's a VIP at the park. There's only one class of ticket. It doesn't increase in price as you get closer to the event. But there is a hard cap of 200 people are 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 able to come i think we might actually increase it to 250 we're close to 200 but we might not we're like deciding back and forth because it is warm outside we can open all the doors and we can fit a larger amount of people but we're definitely not going to go over 250 people and so that's a two-day event full days of of content and and hanging out and we have breakfast on premise both days that's included in your ticket we have drinks included uh, there'll be beer and coolers. You don't even have to wait at a bar. You can just grab a beer out of a cooler. Um, we have lunch included on both days and we have one dinner included. And this is our summit concept. And we're basically, we do these summits four times a year. And uh, the, the first one we did was grassroots. We did a mining summit and this is our lightning summit. Um, yeah. So that's that's the basic premise. So the idea is we we basically since we have those Tuesday, Wednesdays once a month, uh, we make the summits the Thursday, Friday, just to bring it all together. So the Tuesdays, the bit devs, the Wednesdays, the open house, both are free. And then the summit is the Thursday, Friday. And then taking that forward into November, Matt, uh, we're looking at Nostraville. Do you have a sense of what the agenda is going to look like? Uh, is, that, is it going to have a similar energy to the Lightning Summit? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I forgot to mention, um, you know, I'm a little burnt out from conferences. Uh, so I, I try not to call this a conference. There's a reason why it's called a summit. Um, it's supposed to be more intimate, but also no photos, no videos. Um, and all the content, uh, all the panels that happen, um, they are recorded audio only, um, but the panelists have a choice if they get published to our podcast feed or not. Uh, so we do have a lot of discussions that you only hear if you come in person, but uh, we try and get as much content on that podcast feed as possible. But I will say uh, the best discussions are the ones when people decide that they want the recording to stop um, and we really go at it. Um, so Noster November, first of all, obviously we had this really nice alliteration, which is why we chose November. Um, but also because, um, Nostra Rica was about to happen and I wanted it to be spaced out. We didn't, we didn't know Nostrasia was going to happen when we announced it. Um, I still think it's, you know, neither here nor there because it's a small intimate group, uh, rather than a much larger event. And also that's in Asia and we're in Nashville, uh, very different uh, parts of the world. Um, but uh, 
Nasser November, there's a couple of things that make it a little bit different than the Lightning Summit. First of all, uh, it was really important to us that it's a free event. Um, oh, and the other reason we chose November, because I thought it was a fun flex that uh, we were so confident in Nostra that it wasn't a fad, that it was still going to be around in November, even though we announced it in December. Um, so we like did announce it almost a year ahead of time when it was still very fresh and early. Um, but yeah, Nostra, Nostra November is going to be a completely free event, Nostraville. And uh, it's going to be basically a week long of content, uh, different panels, discussions, workshops. We do a lot of workshops at the park, presentations. Uh, we're going to try and have different Nostra integrations around the park. For the Lightning Summer, we're going to have a bunch of Lightning integrations around the park. And the idea is we bring in builders that are excited about building these different types of in-person integrations. Um, and we just like give them a canvas, enable them and let them do what they want to do. And then after the event, you know, hopefully all these lightning activations, they stay year round at the park. So whenever you come to the park, like right now we have a, a video game where you can play, you can basically play like snake, uh, but in a, in a PVP format. So you can play snake against someone else and bet lightning on it. But, but for, for the sake of the actual programming, um, we don't really have anything set in stone. I mean, our team at Bitcoin Park is literally historically has been me, Rod, and our operations manager, Josh. Um, and we recently brought Harry in as a managing partner as well. And he also helps us uh, if we have a shortfall, we split it three ways instead of two ways in terms of Bitcoin stack, which is really appreciated. Um, and then we bring in community members to help us uh, with specific things. So, uh, you know, we have Randy. Everyone knows Randy Island uh, in the Nostra community. He's going to be helping us with Nostraville. And so will Mads. Mads has been helping me uh, with the Lightning Summit. Um, so our, our different uh, members at the park will help us and contribute their time, which is really appreciated. I forgot to mention that the park, the goal of the park is to have a hard cap of 200 members that pay an annual fee. And once we hit that 200, it hits a wait list. We're gonna cap it at that as well. So right now we're at like 75 members. And the idea is once we get to 200 members, you know, these 40 plus free events we run a year will actually be sustainable because the members will help support it. But anyway, long story long, this is really long-winded. I'm the lead programmer at the park and I finished programming the open source stage in May. And then June, we had the 1031 Investors Summit, which I programmed. And now I'm programming the Lightning Summit. And so I have done absolutely fuck all for the Nostra Summit <laughs> programming. And we got time, I man. would like to have in, <laughs> at least a week of, of, of rest before, before I start thinking about it. Well, and is Island's going to be uh, signing autographs there too, isn't he? Yeah, he's Nostra our resident Bill. Nostra influencer. Yeah, he's our resident <laughs> Nostra influencer. In Pictures and autographs. It's a small fee, of course, but uh, he'll be there. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you keep talking about park. So, I mean, is this an actual park? Because I'm thinking, like, down the street, there, I have a park. Um, is this, is, I mean, do you have permits and things, or is this just part of the the the, the actual <laughs> uh, building and, uh, you know, the grounds that you have? Well, first of all, fuck your permits, but, um, <laughs> no, we, uh, it's, it's not, it's not an actual park. Okay. Um, we call it Bitcoin park. It's two buildings that are next to each other. Yep. We control both buildings. They're both two stories. There's a courtyard, there's trees and grass and shit. 
Mm -hmm. Um, but I wouldn't like, don't think about it like, um, like a public park or something like that. It's, uh, it's more of a campus. I like to call it a campus. Okay. Um, I don't know. We just, we went back and forth on the name for a little bit and I wasn't necessarily sold on, on park as a name. Um, but the domain was available and, uh, we like argued about it a little bit and then we're like, okay, we'll just call it this temporarily. And then it just got Lindy and we just can't, can't go back now. And I it's grown on me. Now I like it. Now I just call it the park. I, I mean, it, as a, as a word, it's somewhere where, uh, you know, people gather, they have fun, they enjoy. Um, it's definitely community driven. Uh, I think that's a, a big part of the energy. Um, so I'm, I'm with it. Uh, I, I did book my flights for uh, Nostraville, so that'll be my first time going to Nashville. So I'm pretty stoked on that. Um, my five-month-old will probably be, I don't i don't know, I didn't do the math, but he'll be old enough to where he can kind of go to my parents or someone's for a few days uh, so I can finally get out and uh, go, go check out some of these uh, events. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm also trying to uh, do a Noster uh, meetup um, locally. Uh, so I can start, uh, you know, just like we have Bitcoin meetups, uh, Nostra meetups, maybe have a little bit of uh, intersection between the two. Um, but with that said, I mean, is there any sort of a blueprint or something that, you know, just, you know, just a regular pleb that wants to start his own Bitcoin meetup? Um, you know, maybe they get 10 people together. I mean, something where they're not trying to learn from scratch. Is there some sort of a blueprint or education out there? Uh, for anybody that that wants to do local meetups? Well, first I will say all of our links are at bitcoinpark.com. Uh, I look forward to hosting a bunch of you for Nosterville. I, I know I, I kind of undersold it by saying I haven't really been planning it, but we have been thinking about it. We do have a group chat <laughs> between a bunch of us, um, and we're very excited to host you guys. I, I think we already have 135 RSVPs for that, and that's in November, which is pretty awesome to see, especially since it falls on similar dates as Nostrasia. Uh, so that's at bitcoinpark.com slash Nostraville to RSVP for that. And then for the Lightning Summit, that's bitcoinpark.com slash lightning23. Um, consider joining us for both. But on the meetup side, I mean, you should go to a meetup is I think probably the best way to, to get an idea of, of where you want to go with it. And ideally, if depending on where you live, go to multiple meetups and kind of, and, you know, take the temperature. Uh, we have a discord, um, which I like regret, I'm not regretfully, but I, I got kind of dragged into because, uh, my co-founder Rod decided one week that he liked discord and created a discord. Uh, but in our discord, we have a room that is, is purely for people that are trying to start meetups or have meetups and everyone kind of helps each other, which is really helpful. That's bitcoinpark.com slash discord. You might be noticing a trend with. Uh, my links, uh, I try and make them very easy to shill uh, via audio um, and they're very intuitive. Um, so you can go to our discord, but I mean, you, if you come visit us, you'll see what we're doing. You can build on top of it. I mean, if you launch your meetup before September, you can come for grassroots Bitcoin if you want. That will be specifically meetup organizers. And I would say on the idea of Nostra meetups versus Bitcoin meetups, you know, they're Nostra and Bitcoin are incredibly complementary freedom tech tools. And I think as a result, there's so much overlap that there's something to be said about, you know, not necessarily even delineating. And, you know, half the time at, at the park now for our meetups, you know, we're talking about Nostra. Um, 
and that's pretty much unavoidable because they're so interconnected and they're going to become even more interconnected going forward. I mean, you even see it on Rabbit Hole Recap, which is supposed to be a Bitcoin news show. We talk about Nostr all the time now. Um, yep. So I don't know if they necessarily have to be separate. Uh, we will not be changing the name of the park to Nostr Park, but uh, I think for all <laughs> intents and purposes, you can you can think of it as, you know, Bitcoin and Nostr Park. It's a it's a place for community development of, of Freedom Tech. Yeah. And Nostr, the community in general and Nostr, um, granted, I mean, we, we are, uh, we, we do tend to lean Bitcoin, um, but it's the whole reason I got involved locally uh, because I realized, uh, you know, without the algorithm, we have a community that can talk to each other and you realize how, how many like-minded people are around you. Uh, so it, it's, it really, it, it, it empowers Bitcoin in a way. Um, it makes you really want to, want to do things locally that otherwise you wouldn't have if you just thought you were, you know, alone in this algoed world. So it's, it's pretty cool how well they complement each other. You know, I think I gave you a really long winded answer. Um, my best advice, if you want to start a meetup is just fucking start one. Um, and post it on Noster, be like, we're meeting at this bar on this date at this time. Um, and ideally, if you have if you if, you know, pay ten dollars for a year for a domain, um, have that redirect to your meetup page. I think meetups a shit coin, but people still use it. So we're kind of begrudgingly still using meetup. I'm hoping Pablo decides one of these weekends to just create a Nostr alternative. Um, but until then, we will be using meetup.com. And then, you know, if if on RHR, on Twitter, on Nostr, I love um I, I I love boosting the reach of different people that are are launching meetups because it it benefits us all and it's just a beautiful thing. So just start small, find a bar, talk to the bartender, be like on Thursdays or Wednesdays, like what what day are you like kind of empty and you wouldn't mind a, a bunch of people coming in and and paying you money and talking about uh, talking about Noster and a lot of people will be open to that and you know maybe it'll start small, maybe it'll be five people, maybe it'll be ten people. And then you just kind of build from there. Yeah, Matt, I, I, sage advice indeed. Um, and we, we talked about leaving New York. I, it's been three years for me, and I'm beginning, beginning to get a little bit of FOMO because I've moved to the middle of nowhere in the mountains. And I've been contemplating starting a Bitcoin meetup. There is, it's absolutely crickets out here, right? It's, it's, there are more horses cows and guns than people uh, out where I am. Uh, but I think I might just take the leap and and do that. Uh, but uh, moving on, Matt, uh, you know, you've done quite a bit of work on privacy, right? I mean, I, you know, you do occasionally refer, refer to yourself as a privacy advocate. Uh, do you want to talk about some of the things that that stand out for you that you're involved in on, on the privacy side? I know there's Fediments and you've been a vocal critic of CBDCs as well. Uh, is there anything top of mind that you'd like to talk about on the privacy advocacy side? Um, look, I just think it's it's always it's there's there's no such thing as perfect privacy. So it's always just a moving goal that we're just kind of moving trying to just move forward quicker than our adversaries uh, and digital privacy is just very difficult. Um, so the number one thing with privacy is, is, is really awareness. The first step is awareness because 
the unfortunate reality is that most people are going to realize they have absolutely no privacy uh, once they get burned. And that's just really that's unfortunate. Like you'd rather you'd rather people at least be aware of the information they're leaking on a daily basis um, before that happens, before they touch the stove, before they feel pain, before their friends and family feel pain and, and surveillance and malicious actors uh, use their private data against them. Um, and I think it's it's much bigger than just Bitcoin or just Noster. Um, you know, most of the most alarming aspects of digital privacy are the things that uh, have just been completely normalized, like ring cameras uh, that are connected to Amazon surveillance servers that you just like walk down the street and you're just on like a million different cameras that are all piping back to Amazon. Or you walk into a friend's house or a coffee shop or something and they just have a Google wiretap sitting on their counter. Um, or people sending their DNA to who knows who, um, to some data company that is going to index and dox their future relatives forever um, and share that information. So I think the first step is awareness. On the Bitcoin side, one thing I have learned, and I've after years of education, is it really doesn't matter how many YouTube videos you put out or how many hours of podcasts or how many guides you put out. Um, most people will overwhelmingly choose the most convenient option. Um, so I really like this intersection of, of, of privacy and freedom tools. And I've, I've been using the word freedom more often because I think without privacy, you can't have freedom. So it kind of just goes hand in hand. And for whatever reason, people just relate to freedom more than they do to privacy. But the idea of freedom tools that are nearly as convenient, if not more convenient, uh, than their more oppressive counterparts. That's when people really start to use them. That's what's really exciting to me about Fediments. That could be really exciting to me about Noster, especially as we start to see more restrictions get placed on Twitter and there's more frictions to, friction to using Twitter. I mean, it's not too hard to believe that in even a year's time, it's, it's way more convenient to use Noster than it is uh, to use Twitter. And, uh, you know, that that's what's really compelling to me about Fediments. I mean, you mentioned Fediments and there is a trade off. Obviously, uh, it's not uh, self-custody. You, you're essentially trusting a multi-sig custodian. But the result is you get a wallet that's as convenient to use as Wallet of Satoshi that gives you very good privacy guarantees and mitigates the custodial risk. And look, you know, it doesn't matter how much education we do. Look at Noster, the overwhelming majority of people are using Wallet of Satoshi. And I think that kind of self heals itself for a little bit when Wallet of Satoshi inevitably rugs and people are like, oh, shit, I can't use a custodial service because I just got fucking burned. Um, but then people forget. And, and that's what we saw happen with Mt. Gox is like when Mt. Gox went under, um, there was a renewed effort to move to self-custody. And then 10 years go by and FTX happens and people are like, oh, my God, who could have ever seen this coming? I never expected this. And then you just repeat the whole process again. So we just really need tools that are convenient and uh, take into a, they take into account, you know, privacy and freedom best practices uh, by default. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's where the real solutions lie. And that's where a lot of my focus have been lately. And and you've made uh, a point uh, about, and you've talked about this quite a bit, right? About the dangers of custodial lightning. I think the one counterpoint I'd make, while acknowledging that, I, I agree, you know, broadly, right? That if 
everyone gets onboarded onto custodial lightning, then you know what are we really doing here? I think the game-changing element in my mind is that Lightning is more than just a payments layer. It's actually an interoperability layer, right? So your custodial Lightning on Wallet to Satoshi is completely interoperable with uh, your uh, non-custodial Lightning on your node, uh, the, right? So I think that's a pretty cool thing. Do you have any thoughts on that, Matt? No, I mean, I, I, I agree, and I have a whole post about it on um, my blog, Discrete Log. Um, but, uh, you know, this idea, like, Lightning as an interoperable protocol for custodians uh, to send payments between each other has already found product market fit and has been highly successful. I still think um, the jury's out. I have faith and optimism um that we will build out lightning to a point where it's extremely easy to use in a freedom oriented way but i just don't think that's been proven yet that has not been proven in the marketplace um what has been proven is that it's a very effective interoperable payments protocol for custodians now what i hear often and i, I do agree that the fact that it's interoperable and that any custodial wallet that supports LNURL and Lightning addresses can be used with Nostr, which is really cool. It's not just like we're all using uh, Will's Domus custodial wallet or whatever. It's it's a different it's a different app uh, that's not controlled by the Nostr client, and you can plug and play all these different custodians. I do think that people are just underappreciating the risk, and I think most of the time you talk about it, even among diehards, you just get hit with a bunch of cop-outs and excuses that sound awfully familiar to the blue check excuses. And you know what is the most common one I hear? Oh, it's just small amounts of money. Well, I will tell you that when Wallet of Satoshi rugs, which they will rug you eventually, whether they take our money, well, they're not taking my money, whether they take people's money or a government forces them to shotgun KYC people and there's a bunch of people that are in the developing world and whatnot that couldn't even KYC if they wanted to, we're going to see how much pain there really is out there. And I think there's a lot of people that are holding way too much money on Wallet of Satoshi, particularly in the developing world. In Africa, Latin America, people's life savings are on that app, I think. And there's no way for us to tell because it's a fucking black box. But we'll know once the rug happens. And I think people will regret it at that point. And I, I, I just I think part of the reason is like, who do, who do you blame for that? Um and you can't really blame anyone because this is an open permissionless protocol, both Noster and Lightning. But I think, you know, there's there's been a little bit of a lack of focus. Um, there's been a little bit of a lack of focus on the Lightning side in terms of in the Lightning development side. And I'm not trying to degrade our, you know, or, or talk down to our, our wonderful open source contributors that make this movement possible. I've dedicated a large portion of my life to supporting them, but there's been a lack of focus in terms of, of building freedom specific tooling and Ellen URL is a perfect example of that. It is really difficult to have a, a freedom oriented wallet that supports lightning addresses in a convenient way. And as a result, what's happened is this industry has moved mostly to Ellen URL and lightning addresses because it, it works, it gets the job done. But as a result, the majority of people using them are using them with custodial wallets. And not to mention, Matt, you can get drugged by your DNS provider as well, right? I mean, your, your centralizing risk there is there too, especially with lighting ad addresses. Correct, exactly. Yeah, 
so Matt, moving back to the privacy topic, uh, this is a recurring theme for me at uh, Bitcoin Miami this year. I was talking to various libertarian activists uh, who were at the conference and they kept talking about Monero. So my question to you is, what is your best argument? And they were talking about Monero for you know uh, folks in Venezuela and Cuba, political dissidents, right? They talk about it from the privacy angle. What is your best argument for why Monero is a shitcoin? You know, I think um, I think Monero is a useful tool for Bitcoiners um, today. Uh, particularly, Bitcoiners are operating in adversarial environments that 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 want to use Bitcoin in a private way. Um, because of, of, of what they've prioritized on the trade-off balance. Um, and because of the way these protocols work, uh, it's relatively easy to swap between the two. Um, but I think ultimately uh, what we're witnessing is a proper free market uh, for money globally. And the result is the hardest money wins. Uh, the, the, money, the, the money that is... Um, the best money in terms of uh, property rights guarantees uh, wins. And that, that is Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin has a fixed supply. It's extremely audible, auditable. Uh, it's extremely hard to change by default. Um, and people don't realize, you know, shit corners will constantly say that the hard to change part is, is a bug of Bitcoin, that it's, that it's too difficult to improve on. But that's where the key value prop comes from. That's where, that's where the real value um, that, that, that's where the store value comes from. That's where the censorship resistance comes from because any changes can be an attack. So as a result, uh, Bitcoin is the hardest money that we've ever seen in humanity. Uh, it is significantly harder than Monero and Monero along with, uh, pretty much every other asset in the world will trend to zero long-term in terms of Bitcoin. And this is not a new, uh, thesis I've had. This is a thesis I've publicly talked about for four years, five years, and it's continued to play out. So you're in a situation, if you want to call out Monero specifically, you're in a situation with Monero where they've made certain trade-offs that make it less hard money. Um, they've also made it a bigger target for regulators. So they're not in as many, it, it's, they, they rely on Bitcoin on-ramps and off-ramps to the legacy system. So they, they need the ability to easily swap with Bitcoin. And they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't, because... Uh, they 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 require that ability. There's a strong incentive for them to to offer these Bitcoin swaps. And as a result, there's no reason for you to hold Monero long term because you can still take advantage of their privacy benefits while holding the majority of your savings in Bitcoin. Um, yeah. And so the end result is this thing just trends to zero in Bitcoin. And that's basically my thesis on Monero. I would say, you know. Maybe it's a little bit less, it's significantly less shitcoiny than any of these other shitcoin projects, in my opinion, because it offers real utility to Bitcoiners. Um, and I think Bitcoiners do denigrate it too much uh, in terms of it has very practical privacy benefits. And, and we've kind of seen that with um, the Canadian truckers debacle. I've done a lot of work with the Human Rights Foundation and, and, and training activists on, on using and receiving Bitcoin and sending Bitcoin. And it's it's hard to accept donations in Bitcoin in a privacy focused way. It is just it remains difficult. It, it, it has gotten easier. Very grateful to the BTC Pray project It's one of my 
favorite projects in the space. It's one of the most important projects in the space. But even with BTC Pay, you know, you're running a node. Uh, if you want to accept Lightning, then you're also running a Lightning node. You have to manage liquidity. You have to manage channels. And you have to manage all the digital security that revolves around all of that and the digital privacy issues that revolve around all of that. Well, meanwhile, um, if, if you're accepting Monero, you can just download a, uh, a mobile wallet, post a Monero address on Twitter or Noster, and you can receive donations in a pretty private way. And then you can swap into Bitcoin afterwards. So there's something there. Um, it is useful today. Uh, I have hope that Bitcoin, you know, these different tools we build on top will kind of obviate that need. Um, but I, I completely respect that, you know, people in life and death situations that don't really understand digital security or Bitcoin privacy trade-offs uh, would, would use something like that uh, to protect themselves. So I'm going to ask you about a path that I've been thinking about, Matt, uh, and let you weigh in on whether it breaks uh, KYC link, right? So KYC Bitcoin sent a wallet to Satoshi, submarine swapped Lightning, bolt swap to Liquid, Liquid back to Bitcoin into cold storage. Does that break KYC? Yeah, I mean, look, it's important to realize, first of all, that Bitcoin isn't KYC. Individuals are KYC. There's a bunch right. of companies that are putting Bitcoiners on lists with our identifiable information and our transaction history. And then from there, tracking is happening. Um, so, yes, there's ways you can break links, um, particularly using lightning withdrawals or to to not your own node, because if you do it to your own node, then you're leaking your pub key and you don't want it to be fixed. So that's why I used Wallet of Satoshi. But in that situation, Wallet of Satoshi knows what you're doing in that first swap. Uh, no one really knows who runs Wallet of Satoshi, so that could just be a complete spook operation. Um, I don't know where you're swapping into Liquid, but that could be a point of failure. And then Liquid, there's like 15 people that use Liquid, so you can't really use that in like a in a in a substantial way. You can't move a significant amount of money through it. And then last but not least, like it's just ridiculous that that's what that that kind of flow is just kind of insane. Uh, to recommend to people or step people through. And there's just a lot of places where you can shoot yourself in the foot. Um, so I, th I think we need uh, simpler methods that are normalized that don't like inherently make you look like a criminal too, because you're like going out of your way to do all this crazy different shit. Um, and, you know, hope, hopefully we're getting there. I mean, a simpler flow, you know, could be, you know, withdrawing to like a Phoenix wallet or something like that. Um, via lightning on if, if if you withdraw to phoenix wallet from like a strike via lightning um and then from there from there you send into coin join or from there you send to another lightning wallet um you're still trusting phoenix with your privacy but you're you are disconnecting uh that withdrawal history much more than if you just withdrew um on chain so there there are all these different options i just um the, the first step, just like what I was talking about earlier, is the first step is uh, just being aware of the risk, being aware of, OK, I'm on a list with my identifiable information, with my transaction history. This list is going to be stored forever. It's going to be shared. It's going to be combined with surveillance companies. The first step is for people to just understand that that exists. But then, you know, you also have to be humble enough to realize that if you're in a proper adversarial environment, 
and no one really realizes what kind of environment they're in until afterwards, like we saw with the Canadian truckers, you know, that was run by BTC Sessions. Like, I'm not trying to neg on BTC Sessions. He's a good friend. Ben's a good friend. But like he creates all the videos that everyone else learns from. And even he fucked it up. Right. Because he had a lot of pressure on him. And the chain is forever. Like you can make a fuck up today on chain. Like if we're correct about Bitcoin and I believe we are like the Bitcoin blockchain, the Bitcoin ledger is going to outlast all of us. It's going to outlast my grandkids, my great grandkids, their grandkids. And if you make a mistake today, that mistake could be used against you if things get worse in 10 years, 15 years. So it's important that people are aware of the risks today uh, before they make a mistake that they regret in the future. Well said, Matt. Really so well, we'll said. leave you. <laughs> I, I do want to say, yeah. I, uh, in discussing with Wallace Satoshi on Noster, kind of a side DM, they did decline uh, my invite to this show. Uh, they wanted to lay low. <laughs> and the only thing I know about them is I think they're out of Australia. Um, that's about, and I, I think about Australia and their government, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know how they do it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and and people are using them as a de facto mixer. I mean, Avi just basically explained using them as a custodial mixer. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of question marks. I will say... Uh, for better or for worse, I know a lot of people in the Bitcoin space. Um, no one I know knows who runs that wallet. So right, um, right. Well, it's Satoshi's wallet, isn't it? <laughs> it's a yeah, Satoshi's closed source custodial wallet. Correct. <laughs> so you want to wrap it up, Avi? Yeah, Matt. One last question for you. <laughs> Without mentioning. The mandibles <laughs> what is the best book you've read about bitcoin mandibles <laughs> um i i really liked uh the damon series by daniel suarez is quite good highly recommend if you haven't read it um he has a lot of good books uh, he also wrote kill decision which is really good uh which is about autonomous drone swarms uh, which I think is going to become more relevant pretty soon. Um, yeah, there, there's there's two recommendations for you. We'll look those up, Matt. Well, we appreciate you taking the time uh, to educate us and come on a humble show and tell us how to stack sets. Okay, I'm 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 really dragging this metaphor out, uh, but 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 Matt, appreciate you doing this. Uh, Thank you for joining. And uh, after after we end the recording, would you mind sticking around for a few minutes of Q&A with Plebs? Yeah, I love Q&A. And um, it was a pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. I love the Nostra report. The Nostra report's great. Um, and we just got to keep pushing forward. If we keep pushing forward, uh, we will win. And we have to win because if we don't, um, if, if, if we don't push forward the freedom tech movement in general, uh, it is going to be really, really dark. And I just, that's not the kind of world I want to leave our children. So cheers to all you guys who keep pushing this movement forward. Thank you for having me. And uh, I look forward to the Q&A. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank Matt. You.